This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, September 8th, 2013. Soul Detox, Hazardous Waste. And so today we continue our series on soul detox as we look at uncovering the hazardous waste of hidden sin. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day where we get another day to be in this place, in this world, to connect with you and with others. God, open our hearts so that we might receive this message and be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. And so here's the thing. There's nothing more toxic to our souls than the hazardous waste of hidden sins. You know those sins that we keep secret, that we keep hidden, that we keep in the closet, the sins that we don't confess to God, let alone to another human being. Secret sins that might include lying or stealing or cheating. Secret addictions of all types, including and not limited to alcohol, drugs, both legal and illegal, pornography, sex, cutting, shopping, spending, gambling, eating, working, playing, going too far with a boyfriend or girlfriend, unauthorized borrowing from your employer, that one's gotten a little giggle every service, you know, the unauthorized borrowing. How about the secret sin of idolizing success or material possession, uh, gossiping about putting down other people to try to make yourself pump it up a little bit? There, the, the list of these hidden, ongoing sin goes on and on and on, doesn't it? And for many of us, probably most, maybe all, this hazardous waste has been or is a part of our lives, and it's not healthy. It's toxic. It's deadly. These hidden sins become toxic as they keep us from realizing and enjoying all that God has in store for us, and that's why we're going to take a few minutes to talk about it this morning. Hidden sin. We read about it in the very beginning of the Bible, just after creation, right there in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve have done the one thing that God told them not to do, and that's eat that forbidden fruit. Isn't it something how virtually everything in the world that we can't have, everything that we want, everything that seems kind of out of touch and we know we shouldn't have it or desire it or whatever, Isn't it interesting that that's the one thing we crave, the one thing we want, the one thing that we can't get out of our heads? The one thing, actually, that we're willing to lose everything for at times. And then we try to hide it. That's what Adam and Eve did. Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that just a marvelous picture you get there? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Good luck with that one. Yeah, (laughs) funny, isn't it, how they could 
hide from God, or so they thought. Even more funny is how we think we can hide from God. Oh, not, not physically, but we think that we can hide from God, that God doesn't know what we're doing, God doesn't know what we're saying, God doesn't know what we're seeing, God doesn't know what we're thinking. But then it didn't end with Adam and Eve. They just kind of set the precedent for the rest of humankind. In fact, that was chapter 3 in the very next chapter, chapter 4 in the book of Genesis. We see Cain. You might know this story. It's a fairly familiar story. Cain following the footsteps of his parents. Not exactly the same sin, but the same concept, doing something wrong. When God accepts the offering of Abel, Adam and Eve's second son, and not the offering of his brother Cain, their first son, Cain's jealous anger gets the best of him, so much so that he ends up killing, murdering his brother, Abel. And then he adds icing to the cake as he tries to hide his sin from God. Check this out. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? <laughs> as though God doesn't know, right? <laughs> he just wants to make sure <coughs> Cain knows. And here's the inevitable, and how often have we, I don't know, he replied. Say the next line with me. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. So there's the first sin, the murder. And then there's the second, the attempt to cover it up, the attempt to hide it. Well, the pattern continues. We read this in the Bible a little bit farther at the end of Genesis. We meet a guy named Joseph. You might have heard of Joseph. There's a Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joseph was the youngest son. He had uh, a number of brothers, and um, he shares his dream with his older brother. Now, that probably wasn't a good idea, but he shared this dream, and um, the dream indicated that his older brothers would bow to Joseph. <laughs> and so their jealousy overtook them. They were so uh, upset, they took Joseph's coat off, they threw him in a pit. Actually, they thought about killing him, but instead, they throw him in a pit, and he was sold into slavery. Then they had to work out a plan to cover up what they had done, because, you know, they had a dad back at home. <laughs> and so they took Joseph's coat, and they slaughtered um, a lamb, a goat, and they uh, dipped the, the coat in the blood, and they took it to the dad, and they said, we found Joseph's, I'm paraphrasing now, they found the, we found this coat of our brother Joseph. Is this his? Do you think this is his? And, and the father, you know, agreed, and then he was led to believe that a ferocious animal killed Joseph. Once again, there was a sin, actually, of jealousy, and then getting rid of the brother, and then the sin of attempting to hide what had been done. How often have we done the same thing? Now, maybe not murder. Maybe not murdering someone, or maybe not selling our sibling into slavery. Although, haven't you on occasion uh, thought about it? <laughs> 
just the same, maybe we've done something wrong, we've sinned, and then we compound it by, compound it by trying to hide it, either from God or from somebody else, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, whoever. Maybe we've lied in order to try to hide it. Maybe we stretch the truth. Maybe we just remain silent. Whatever, whatever we've somehow tried to hide that sin. And in the short run, maybe it seemed like a good idea. You know, one of those, well, it worked on paper when I thought about it. Perhaps it even worked for a while, at least maybe a short while. But it becomes worse over time. It catches up with us. And even if we don't get caught by somebody else, we know, don't we? In the very depths of our soul, we know what we've done. And here's the tougher part, God knows. And even tougher than that is, we know God knows. We know God knows, and you know what? We can never escape that if we never confess that sin. Proverbs 28.13 gives us some great insight into this. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, we have examples all through Scripture of this. Probably the best known is a story you may be familiar with, but it bears repeating. It's the hazardous waste of hidden sin that we find in uh, the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11. Here we have a story of King David, greatest human king Israel would ever know. He's described as a man after God's own heart. He's God's fair-haired boy. He's the one that, when he was just a boy, God anointed him to be the future king. He's the one who, yeah, with, uh, in the name of God, slew the giant Goliath. This is David, King David. And he passionately loves God, but that does not make him immune from temptation. Even someone whom God has chosen for great leadership is quite capable of scandalous sin. In chapter 11, we are told in the Bible that it's the spring of the year. I love that. It's the spring of the year. It's like, kind of this bucolic. is like so nice and happy, but then we hear what really happens. It's the spring of the year when kings go off to war. Unfortunately, King David did not go to war. In fact, he was walking along his rooftop. He was high up, and he looks down, and he sees a woman bathing. Now, in Scripture, it says he saw, S-A-W, and in Hebrew, when we see that word saw, what that really means is gazed, looked at intently. In other words, he looked longer than he should have. David didn't just see her like, oops, <laughs> but David saw her bathing. Mistake. So for us... It's not our first look that's wrong, and I don't mean look, but it's our second look, or it's when we look, we see, and we don't turn away. Mm. That's where we get into trouble. That's where our hidden sin can happen. That's where we can have toxic behavior. And so David the king sends 
one of his servants to go find out about this bathing beauty. And um, the servant comes back and some information and tells David who the woman's father is and tells David who her husband is. Let me repeat that. Tells him who her husband is. A red flashing sign should have been going off in David's head. Danger! Danger! You get the point? Danger! Turn away! Turn away! Turn away, David! David ignores that, pays no attention, and instead sends messengers to get this woman. I find it interesting um, how Bathsheba is her name. She's portrayed sometimes. Back when I was in seminary, had this course called uh, the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament, goes to the movies. Sound like a great class. Just go watch movies all the time. Trouble is, it was in the summer. I had to do a 25-page paper when I was at the beach. That wasn't the best part. But anyway, interesting, because we saw several kind of movies that depicted this David Bathsheba thing, and I, I can't remember, though. was a well-known actress uh, back uh, 50 years ago or 60 years ago. But anyway, in that one, she's like a seductress. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you didn't know better, you'd think she was seducing David, and he was an innocent bystander, you know? And that's a challenge because if we watch that movie, we don't get the real story because that's not the real story at all. She was not a seductress. What we have here is a king, and the king uh, today, but especially then, had power. And when he said, come to me, you didn't say, what? No, you came. And especially in that society, a woman was even, had virtually no power. And so what we have here is a total abuse of his kingly power, bringing this married woman into the palace because he wants to get to know her better. And he slept with her, and she became pregnant. So David, rather than fessing up, tries to hide his sin and kind of outwit this situation. So here's what he does. He calls her husband, his name's Uriah. He calls Uriah home from the battlefield and um, sends him home, hoping that he will sleep with his wife. And then the child will be his, so everybody thinks, before the time of DNA testing, of course. (laughs) So instead, Uriah was a man of principle. And he didn't go home to sleep with his wife, but he slept at the gate where the servants were. And when David said, why didn't you stay with your wife, you know, have the pleasure of your wife? He said that he couldn't have that while his soldiers, while his guys were on the battlefield fighting. Yeah. Notice the difference in how honorable the lower ranking guy is in comparison to the king here. Next day, David um, says, I want to try again. So he has dinner with him and uh, drinks with him to the point where Uriah gets drunk, which is David's plan, hoping that in his drunkenness he will go home and lay with his wife. (laughs) But again, Uriah does the more honorable thing and sleeps outside where the servants sleep. And so seeing that his cover-up plan is not working, David moves to plan B, which means he gives a message for Uriah to carry to his commanding officer on the field of battle 
He obviously didn't know it was in the message because he probably would have changed his direction. He's too honorable, though, to check it out. Gives it to his commanding officer, and it's a message that says, put this man Uriah at the front lines of the fighting. It doesn't say it, but the plan is so that he'll be killed in action. Well, that's exactly what happened. His wife Bathsheba mourned his death. When the time of mourning was over, David brings her to the palace. She becomes his wife and bears him the son from that illicit relationship. That child does not live very long after birth, though. But here's what Scripture tells us, 2 Samuel 11, verse 27b. It's kind of an understatement, actually. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Displeased. He wasn't able to hide it from God, was he? No. So what we have here is King David um, not only guilty of the sin of adultery, guilty of the sin of abusing his power, and now he's guilty of murder. And he tries to hide this sin. Can you see the layers? Got to do one thing, hide it. Another thing, hide it. And the thing is, no matter how hard we try to hide, we cannot hide from our sin. We cannot hide from our sin. There's a scripture in the book of Luke, chapter 8. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. You know, no matter how slick we think we are, we're never going to outslick God. <laughs> and no matter how good we are at hiding, God's a whole lot better at finding. <laughs> and so sooner or later, might take weeks, might take months, might take years, sooner or later our sin will come out because we can't hide forever. David knew that he was going to live with this for a long time, and God knew that this unconfessed sin would just fester in David's soul. So God showed David mercy by sending Nathan. Nathan was his friend, but Nathan was also a prophet. He sent the prophet Nathan to correct, to confront, and to help David do the right thing. So basically, Nathan told David a story of, of two men. One was a wealthy man with an abundance of lambs, and the other was a poor man with just one lamb whom he considered a pet. And what happens is that there's a traveler along the road. The rich man, in order to provide a meal, takes the poor man's lamb, the one lamb, and uses that for dinner instead of one of his many abundance of lambs. So um, he did the wrong thing. He used somebody else's lamb. And so when, after David sh or Nathan shared the story with David, here's what David responded. He said, as surely as the Lord lives... The man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. In other words, it was right in his face, wasn't he? He couldn't escape it. He couldn't hide. 
He couldn't turn away. You are the man. The Lord blessed David by sending David Nathan to confront him of his sin. Confronting our sin. Confronting our sin is the first step of repentance, the first step of seeking forgiveness. We sang that song earlier, forgiveness, forgiveness. Great words in that song. But it's the truth. God wants to forgive us of our sin, does forgive us, but we also need to ask, we need to confess, we need to confront our own sin. And sometimes we don't feel like it's a blessing when we're confronted of it, but actually it is because it frees us. It frees us from being this prisoner. It frees us from the toxic behavior that we're participating in, the hazardous waste of sin that we keep hidden. We've got to be aware of it. In order to make it right, we have to confess. There's two types of confession. Both are important. Both are necessary for different reasons. The first confession is to God. We do this because we need God's forgiveness. We must remember, as we've said several times, we are all sinners. We are all sinners. We all fall short. But here's the flip of that. No sin is too great for God to forgive. No sin is beyond God's grace. The light of Christ is greater than even the darkest of our sins. Isn't that awesome? Just absolutely awesome. There's no sin that cannot be forgiven if we confess it to God and then turn away from it in the name of Jesus Christ. Confess and turn. That's what repent means, to turn. Confess it and turn away in a new direction. The other part of confession is to confess to another person. We confess to God for forgiveness, and we confess to another or others for healing. James talks about that in the New Testament, in the book called James. Take a look at what James shares with us. I'll just read it to you. There it is. Confess, therefore, your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Mm. Interesting side note, a guy after the first service, a friend came up and said, you know, in the 12-step in the program, step five talks about, I, I probably don't have the wording exact, but in effect says, share what you've done, make sure with yourself, and then with another human being, and then with God, or who God, your God. Just exactly what we're talking about here, isn't it? you got to start with yourself, because if you don't recognize it, there's no way you're going to share with somebody else or with God, so the first step is yourself. Special caution about, what Carrie just talked about, confessing to another person. Special caution here. You don't confess everything to everybody. You can't trust your stuff with just anybody. That would be foolish. Don't be foolish. Use discernment about who truly needs to know what you have to say. Pray about who's been affected by your sin. Seek God's direction to show you who will help with that healing, who you might share that with, who you can trust. Maybe it's a Christ-centered friend. Maybe it's a mentor, somebody that you've got that mentor kind of relationship with. Maybe it's a mature believer who 
you can turn to. Maybe it's, maybe it's one of your pastors. Prayerfully, prayerfully, prayerfully seek God's help when it comes to sharing those deep secrets with another human being. Pastor Lori has some thoughts to share with us on this. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is when we uh, confess our sins, that we confess our sins not only to God, but that we do it with other people. And I think that the other people person, the other people part is so important. I know for me, um, I have carried things around that I literally said, like, I'm taking this to my grave and um, carried things like that for many years. When it comes to um, confessing those sins or those hidden secrets that I have, you know, I really need to think um, who can I share those things with because um, keeping them in for me is just toxic. It's a red flag for me. And I have people that I like to believe that at any time I don't have any secrets or I don't keep them very long. I have people that I know that I can call. There's one friend of mine in Maryland, you know, she might get some of the Things that I'm, I'm concerned about sharing in front of other people that I know really well. Um, everybody knows a little different things about me. Like not one person might know the whole story. Um, for me, the difference between confessing to God and confessing with another human being, the difference is that um, I'm known. I'm known by you know, a person. I don't like feeling like I have to hide. And when I have a secret or a hidden sin, I hide. The, the power and the freedom of when you can actually share that with another human being um, is incredible. So Lori said, I don't like the feeling when I have to hide, you know, that hidden secret sin. And we all have little pockets like that where we feel like we're hiding because of things that we've done or thought or seen. But we don't have to hide. God knows us. God, God created each one of you because he loves you. And so we don't have to stay in that place where we're, we're chained up, we're bound up. We can confess and, and thank God for his saving grace through Jesus. That's why Jesus came, to save us from ourselves. That's why Jesus came, so that he would bear our sins on the cross so that we would be free. We wouldn't be prisoners anymore. We don't have to feel like we have to hide. That is the good news in our lives, that when we claim Christ, accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're free. We're exposed in a good way. It starts with confession to God, and then find someone who you can trust to talk and confess to another. That's what the Bible says that we need to do. 
And so at the end of this service, as we sing this last song, you're invited to do just that. You're invited to do that from your seats or come up on the steps and pray, but spend time and lean into this because God doesn't want us to spend one more minute chained up, bound up in our toxic behavior, in our hidden sin. He loves us so much and wants us to have life and joy and peace. That's the good news of the gospel. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. It's a tough word found in scripture. And to quote uh, Craig Rochelle, who wrote this, Soul Detox, rather than sinking into the quicksand of sin, we can swim in the clean water of your forgiveness and cleansing love. Thank you, God, for your cleansing love, for your forgiveness, for breaking the chains in our lives so that we can indeed be free. God, all we need to do is just take one step toward you, and you're already there meeting us. I pray that if there's anyone here today, that they'll just take that one more step into your presence, one more step into your love and receive all that you have in store for their lives, for our lives. We thank you, God. We thank you. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.